and welcome back to the Messroom podcast. Once again, I'm joined by Jordan and Mike and myself, Will. Um, we just want to thank everyone for the response on the first initial episode last week. Uh, some great comments, and we're taking into consideration all of your suggestions for topics and such, but um, for now, this is us for the second time. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really exciting. It's it's really cool that at least anyone has uh, decided to listen to us ramble, and that's why we're 100%. doing it again. I didn't. I, thought, I genuinely, when I when we when the idea was brainstormed, and I think the amount of attention that the first one's got, I think we can't, we couldn't done, we couldn't have done better personally for the first episode, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, we're doing. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. So. Um, Anyway, the topic of this uh, second, hopefully a bit longer episode, is rail tours. Um, so it's uh, we're mainly going to go on our own experiences uh, because uh, we don't know too much about uh, everything to do with rail tours. But we're going to try and say about our experiences, the knowledge that we have about rail tours, um, about the running of rail tours, and um, we'll just see where we go. How did rail tours come about? Um, well, as far as I'm aware, they pretty much have been around since the beginning of the railways. I remember um, seeing photographs of, or paintings at least, of when the rocket was first built, and it was built. There was a circle built for it, and you could just come along and have a ride. Whether that's you could call that a rail tour, I don't know. But that's really? pretty much it. Was it was yeah? It was purely for the entertainment of Victorian people. Where was that um, too? Do you know? Do you oh, have it was any... up in, it was up in the northwest somewhere. Because of course Stevenson built the rocket, and he was based up in the northwest or the northeast. Can't remember. Um, but that I remember seeing photographs of that. So, and obviously over the years of the railways developed, um, people like the LNER used to do railtors with the Sterling Single. They used to do stunts with that and Flying Scotsman when that was first built. Because obviously Flying Scotsman was revolutionary in locomotive design and then into BR you had clubs started popping up like the Locomotive Club of Great Britain, the Stevenson Locomotive Society um, and they did all sorts of tours like well, the Locomotive Club of Great Britain would basically go somewhere particularly in the later days of BR when there was still any type of pre-grouping design that was still around take the engine, go for a jolly with it with four or five coaches and just pack them out it was the same with um, Ian Allen the yeah. publishing the publishing but the, the railway uh, sort of train sports guys they did rail tours I think quite a few of them down sort of out of Waterloo down towards the south of England down towards that's right down... yeah in the later in the later years of BR Ian Allen loved to do it with um, and the Locomotive Club of Great Britain actually um, they both loved to take LNER Pacifics and shove them on the southern region which is quite interesting but of course Ian Allen was most famous for um, did the Talaclin specials when the Talaclin first opened in the 50s well first opened I say reopened in pres as the first preserved line and they used to do that and the Festinial trips they used to take a couple of manors and just go up the Cambrian line because why not um, yeah and then obviously you go into dieselization and realtors continue to um, be a part of the diesel scene just with diesels that time of course there was diesel enthusiasts who wouldn't mind having a bash as they still do and if we're talking steam routers, it mainline steam 
restarted in 1971, obviously, with King George V. So when I said that we didn't know much about it, I said that me and Jordan didn't know much about it, and Will knows a hell of a lot. So thanks, Will. (laughs) I know nothing about the background of how realtors are put together, especially nowadays. It's so complicated. We only know the bare minimum of what people like the Road Train Company and Steam Dreams and, and Sapphos are like all have to go through to get a realtor to actually run. And I think the there's line. a lot of um, there's a lot of speculation of how it is actually done. There's no there's never been anything official or any guidelines that have gone there, right, this is how we run a realtor. There's nothing like that. It'd be very interesting to read though. I definitely if that ever came about it would be a very interesting read. I yeah. Think. Oh actually you, you remind me I had a DVD given to me a few years ago of the background operations of West Coast Railways. Um, I mean, it was 2010 when the DVD was filmed, but it's incredibly interesting seeing how a because they're a well, they're a train operator more than a rail operator. They do have their own routers, but they mainly hire stuff out and run routers for uh, tour promoters. But it's just interesting to see how you know they maintain the locomotives, they maintain the rolling stock, they maintain. Um, relations with Network Rail and uh, how they developed as a, a company since they started up in the in the, in the 90s. After obviously Carnforth was used as a base for locomotives in the 70s and 80s. You know um, when BR were running tours over the Sutton Carlisle when that was in that because the Sutton Carlisle was particularly famous for rail tours. I mean it still is nowadays, isn't it? I think I, I think there's one place I'd love to do a rail tour is over the Sutton Carlisle. It must be. Like it's, it's amazing by normal train, and I think just have, just where well, when we chased the Great Britain, yeah. when we seen Indy Line track hammer over there a couple of years yeah. ago, I, I was just thinking, watching it go over, I was like, I'd love to be on there, just to hear, be right next to that loco, just pounding away at this hill. I've done it countless times by regular train, and probably three or four times by rail turn now, on the Winter Cumbria Mountain Express by Railway Touring Company. They are a super um, company at providing those winter trips. And winter is like the perfect time of year to do the Southern Colour. There's no leaves in the trees. Still uh, snow on the fells as well. So. so that's a bit of advice from us, is if you're going to go on a rail tour across the Southern Carlisle, when everything calms down, do it in the winter. That's Will's top tip. My first rail tour, um, if I can remember rightly, um, I was quite young, I think I was about 9 or 10, and um, my dad took me on a rail tour um, from Poole to Bristol. Poole to Bristol. Um, and I'm still trying to work out wh- what locomotive it was. Uh, it was either Tangmere or Britannia that ran that tour, probably done by railways. I don't think the Brit was on the main line then. Uh, oh, no, actually. Actually, yeah, no, I think it was around 2010 or 11 it came back, I think. Yeah, black. Um, yeah, I was going to say it came in black and black. Yeah, no, I remember, it, I remember it being in black, so it must have been around then. Um, yeah. Around when I was 10. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we went up from Poole to Bristol, and it was fascinating. <laughs> fascinating, the, 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 the noise the the sound the people everyone was so lovely on the on the rail yeah. tour it, it's it's a brilliant atmosphere and especially yeah to be able to experience something going at, at speed 
as opposed to on a heritage line where you're where you're very limited. It was absolutely brilliant, and um, it brought my love for railways. And then since then, I'd always want to go on a railway, uh, on a rail tour every every summer. <laughs> if we're talking like first experiences with rail tours, so I'm told. I don't remember this personally because I was three at the time. My first mainline rail tour experience was the Hastings unit, um, and I I don't remember what the route was. Um, but Dad said that that was my first welter experience, and then the first one, the first one that I actually remember, I think I was four or five years old, um, and we did a Cathedral's Express to Canterbury, behind. That was the early days of Steam Dreams, so that was seven three zero nine six on the green train from the uh, from the Midhands, um, proper good trip that was. And the other rail tour, which I remember from around that time, was we did a daylight rail tour. And they used to start at Alton or Alsford, depending on the day. And the idea was daylight rail tours, you'd go out during the daylight. But they used to start at a ridiculous time of day. They used to start at like 5.30 from Alsford or something. Um, and you'd go to any which way destination. They've On that particular day, we went to the Dean Forest Railway. Um, and I remember, and Gloucester. And I remember, um, well, that was it. The train was called the Gloucester Javelin. I still remember that. And it was 736 again. But I remember we had a heck of a run down the western, down the western main line. It absolutely hammered down there. For um, me, it was... I, I've got... To, I'm going to say this is too, because I've done... When I was, like, a, a part tour, and then I did a full tour about a year later. For me, the first one was um, Bitten when it was in its uh, 4492 Dominion New Zealand guys and it went I did it from Bournemouth to Weymouth so it was a Dorset Coast Express yeah and then it was 37 first sort of like mini tour tour experience that's, that's a part fair probably isn't it that one yeah it was a thing that was running the local paper weirdly it was a oh really yeah I've never ever seen it again it was just that one year it was a it oh, was wow. a in the Bournemouth Echo and it was like <laughs> 45 quid each and well like, you can't go wrong to be honest with that no because i spent that summer a lot of that summer chasing them like at christchurch bournemouth and it was a mixture of tangmere and bitten and i didn't know i was going on it that day so i was just like at bournemouth station seeing it come in and granny was like oh do you want to go on it we've got tickets i'm like what and I was like, <laughs> cracking I, stuff. I, yeah it was it was a cracking run and then the first Full tour, I think, was a year later, and it was a 47 up to Bristol, and then it was double-headed uh, with Oliver Cromwell and 6024, oh. 6024 leading all the way down the Plymouth and back. Wow, a Plymouth run. Yeah, Plymouth run. It was oh, proper job, double-header over the Devon Banks. Don't mind that. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Of course, obviously with Dawlish in there, I've always like every, every, everybody down south and maybe quite a few people up north they admire Dawlish. I'd say that's another top tip if you want to go on a rail tour down south do do one that goes along Dawlish because yeah, it do is the amazing. do the west country yeah anything in the west country is superb the scenery is just fantastic and the um, brilliant thing is were... there's quite a lot of competition at the uh, at the moment at least there was because there's there's a fair few <laughs> operators that like to run down to the west country so you always will yeah there's there's much more of a chance you have a lot of opportunity of of having to having a tour 
Yeah. I mean, for years it's been the Torbay Express has been the um, the tour promoter down there. Um, yeah. I know, I know. Sadly, they aren't continuing with their operations anymore. Um, so people like Safos and, and West Coast and Roadton Company are going to have to take over from that. But um, because aren't yeah. Safos running this year? They're on about resuming soon, and there's one potentially later on this year down that route. Yeah. Well, last year they I think was it was last year the first year English Rivieras Mike. Uh, no, it was the year before, I believe, because I think I went. I think I went on the first. I went on either the first or second one that they did, um, because yeah. they were at the time they were running promotional tickets, so it only cost forty-five or fifty quid each for a tour That's all really the way good. from Bristol to to Paynton or Kingswear. Yeah. And that was yeah. that was brilliant. Um, and then they've continued doing those type of tours, um, although they did release this year they were expanding the operations. So instead of starting from Bristol, they were starting the tour from Cardiff or Newport. Um, oh, with Diesel as far as Bristol. Diesel as far as Bristol, yeah. So that's good. Probably trying to expand their reach a bit. Um, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing with rail tours, particularly now, is you start with a diesel. You can start earlier on in the day because the diesel and the crew can go and stay at the place where they're starting overnight, or start in the middle of the night and go there. Um, but yeah, Safos have been great at and as an upcoming company. But yeah, George, you were saying about how they look like they're going to be one of the first rail tour companies to restart soon amidst the COVID nineteen crisis um and i read on their website earlier on um how they want to reintroduce i think they're going to start with um they're going to start in the middle of july as far as i'm aware with the felsman that's another operation they've taken over is the felsman got the settling carlisle and the english riviera so they're well and truly sorted you know now we've segued from 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 our very first to what we're looking at at the present um, is how rail tours have been run recently uh, with the the new operator Safos Tours which have been they're basically starting to to take over routes that um, they have are. been run previously well I think the good, the good thing about Locomotive Services Limited and, and, and Hoskins operation is that he's got crew and crew is pretty much slap bang in the middle of the country um, he can go any which way he wants up and down the country and he can get there quickly um, it's the one thing that I think I know you know West Coast addressed their their issue of being cornered in the Northwest by having their own base in Southall which has been great for them they've been able to work out there but I mean Safos is he can run a Settling Carlisle trip out and back in a day a Cardiff trip out and back in a day and he can now do the English Riviera without being too far from home. And even then, he's. I think he obviously must get on quite well with people with, um, within the first group, obviously, because of the fact that yeah, he, during last year, he obviously had the English Riviera services and he stabled a locomotive at um, St. Philip's Marsh. At the end of the day, it's business, really, isn't it? Like, yeah. I think, I think one thing that I've noticed a lot is people don't look at it like that. They look at it as a rail tour company. In my head, I thought that there's two types of 
business models for a, a company of that form. There's the there's the enthusiast base. So yeah. you're sort of like the your ones that focus on like track tours, locomotive tours, or an operator tour. So like the Pathfinders, they got their they normally do every year. Yeah, um, Pathfinder I, are very good at doing their track bashing tours, and that's a great example of a company for enthusiasts. Exactly, and also they do their DRS tour. They I think they have one booked for this year. I think it might have been postponed. No, it's the the blue the merit the blue boys tour. It's basically a mixture of DRS locomotives over, I think one or two days, and it's just literally everything. So 57, 68, 88s, um, literally everything DRS. There'll be that there'll be one on the tour, and it normally starts in Eastleigh. And that's one thing I've also noticed with them. They started a hub of for train enthusiasts to Eastleigh, yeah. Derby. They don't. But then, as you said, you've got Statesman, who are like a luxury company, and they start. And they, at they, they start at Birmingham. I mean, I've I've done I've probably travelled on at least four different promoters' rail tours, and mainly as an enthusiast, um, always gone with standard class. Would love to try first class. I got a mate who did first class with um, Rower Touring Company a couple of years ago, and he did first class with Vintage Trains last year. He did a run down the Welsh Marches, and he said it was really enjoyable, worth the, worth every penny of paying first class. Uh, when I went on a, uh, my last rail tour with uh, with Safos, um, normally I'd go with my dad, as I said, I went with my dad every year but this time I um, took my friend along and my dad decided to treat him and his girlfriend to premier dining and he went oh. the full premier dining experience on Safos tours and he said he absolutely loved it and thought it was it was worth every penny he even got dressed up and he made sure he looked the part for the for the first class and the premier dining they had a nice carpet that they laid out at each platform and it was just you know yeah that's the thing is like when you have the entourage arrive and you lay out the carpet it's really showing to the, the the passengers waiting on the station that you're getting on people have earned this journey and it's all about making the passengers feel special isn't it that's what the the sector is moving into now um it's really luxury travel and making people feel special about it and you've got companies like I think Steam Dreams are very much moving into that now because their standard class prices are even uh, a bit more than people like Pathfinder. And, but it's it's just more expensive running a steam train now. You know, steam tours have traditionally been more expensive than a diesel tour. That's what's that's what's happening. You know, from what we've started talking about, we started in the um, you know in the early days of rail tours, it was done for fun. You know, they didn't really it didn't yeah. really matter too much about the money. It was going a specific route or doing a specific well, running a specific lo loco nowadays because it's all private um you've got to apply for the path to network rail you've got to pay for the path um you've got to pay for the coaching stock in some cases like pathfinder i've got a heck of a job because they've got to hire they've got to get the path from network rail they've got to get the locomotive and the crew from drs or from DB Schenker, whoever it is, and they've got to get the rolling stock from somewhere, and they've got to pay for all that individually, so no wonder ticket prices have soared in recent years. Yeah, 100%, and another thing that would be taken into consideration if it's a steam tour is uh, that water bouncer that goes everywhere, and I mean everywhere. Yeah, that's right. 
it's sort of you sort of feel like it's following you around the country because every time you see that's it, right. well, there's a West Coast one, and I think it's literally owned by West Coast. Yeah, it is. Still, yeah, it's still got to pay to fill that up somewhere. So it it's is, not yeah. it's not a case of it's a free once it's paid for its first point, it's paid for itself forever. It's still yeah. got to be. I think it probably hold a couple of thousand gallons, a couple of hundred gallons of water shortly. Oh, and the rest. So it's um, with you know how prices have had to go up and up and up because the the costs of, of hiring, um, you know, getting the the the, the um, oh, what's the what's the word? The journey, getting getting it from network rail, getting the path from network rail. Yeah. Um, paying for you know hiring the locomotive in hiring the rolling stock in making sure that it's all maintained properly uh getting a water truck if they can't make a water stop getting the water truck hired in it brings the the running costs up and up which is why we're starting to see the prices of rail tools that going up and up and that's another reason why safos are doing so well is because they can keep their prices a bit lower because everything's in-house He's got That's his right. own locomotives. He's got his own rolling stock. So all he has to do is pay for the pass from Network Rail. And 100%. I think, I'd, I don't know, I'd assume because he's doing paths that many other rail tour companies have done, he's being able to, 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 to get a bit of a better deal because it's something that's already been done many times before. I think particularly um, some of the routes that... Uh, LSL choose are very selective for the amount of traffic that that route receives. Particularly, like the Settle and Carlisle is such a popular route to pick because it's an hourly service between Carlisle and Leeds, and the there's nowhere near the same amount of freight traffic on that line as there was ten years ago, because all of the coal industry has died down now, and that's the main sort of traffic that would use that route. So there's barely any other trains to conflict with. So that's why West Coast love it for the Dalesman. That's why Safos loves it for the Felsman. Because they've got two hours free time to play with. But you're completely right. It's, and it, with the whole thing about in-house stuff, it means that companies have been able to start regular trains. West Coast do the Jackbite. They basically run the West Highland Line. Uh, they also do, Rowington Company do the Dorset Coast. So you've got a regular one uh, once a week train from London to Weymouth, and because it's regular, they get bookings out pretty much filled out every week because they're using because West Coast are using their own stock, they're increasing their own engine. Sometimes they have to hire one in, yes. But yeah, in the summer season, it feels like there was like a rail tour every day. So Tuesdays there was sort of your sort of Felsman or was it the Felsman or the Dalesman? It was the Dalesman on a Tuesday. Dalesman on a Tuesday. Wednesday was Dorset Coast Express. Yeah. And then Thursday was the Scarborough Spa Express. Uh, yeah, the Scarborough Spa, I remember when I was going on holiday to Yorkshire as a kid, they used to do it Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, three days in a row from start at York, go around the Wakefield Loop, and then down to, back down to Scarborough. Um, all, the, all the Harrogate Loop, it changed over the years, but... Yeah, I remember when I was up on holiday with my granddad a cup about I'm talking about four or five years ago. It was during the steam ban as well. Uh, I think it's 2015, 2016 steam ban. East Coast Mainline has always been a, a, a hot spot. Hot spot. Yeah. Um, steam was, bans. And I just brought up into York and there was a lot of 
West Coast coaches in the platform. I was like, what? What are you doing here? Anyway, obviously there was the Scarborough Spire Express and it was 47.580 on the front. And I was just like, ah, hello. It's the sort of thing, like, that's one thing I love about this is you, when a rail just appears, you do not expect it. Especially if you're younger and you didn't yeah. have, like, real-time trains and stuff like that and tracks. So you just didn't have that. And it was, um, I think, in a way, it was nicer. Yeah, I mean, talking about, you know, the early days of not only being on, on rail tours, but seeing rail tours. When you were a kid, you never really looked, it did much with the internet. Like, there was, you know, there's the websites. Now, the websites are quite big that tell you every rail tour that's going on, every loco movement. But you never really looked at that when you were a kid. And it was just really nice when suddenly one day your dad would just go, there's a rail tour coming through us, coming through your lo our local station. Should we go see it? <gasps> oh my god, a rail tour! Yeah, yeah. And you just go I, and see it. There's a very classic case of that for me. I remember uh, way before the days of the internet. I was probably seven or eight years old. I was in my living room, and I could suddenly hear. I heard a bullied whistle, and I was like, "No, surely not." Um, and I was like. No, I'm gonna go and check. Ran upstairs, and then sure enough, Tangmi was heading off down the Bogda branch, and I was like, "Oh, we had no idea." I had two when I was a kid as well. Uh, I don't know if my dad knew or not, um, but it was uh, Clan Line, and it wasn't on. A, it was doing a tour. It was doing the. Do you know, many many years ago, they did the first one of the, the Bournemouth Bell. They did a run of it in 2016, but I think about 2006, 2007, they did a run of it as well. And I just happened to be in pool, and I was just like, oh, it's clan line. Just that surprise of seeing something, especially something as incredible of a steam locomotive as clan line is, just to see yeah, that appear at one of my local stations. Um, and I had the same thing with Western Champion. This is talking about diesels, but Western Champion, I also, I saw a rake of Mark 1s in Weymouth Platform. I was like, that's strange. I've, I've not seen that there very often. And on the, on the front was Western Champion, and that was, that was good. So it's got to see that go out of Weymouth Station. So it, it's, it's just amazing, the, those times uh, when you're younger and you have no idea that something's happening. And then suddenly you just get that really nice surprise of a rail saw coming through. And uh, as you said, yeah, Jordan, it's... We're so... Is something that we seem to be to be missing now with the days of, of how big the internet is and how everything will just get broadcast immediately. <laughs> Hundred percent. And I think on that point, I think we should leave it there for this episode. I think this is a topic we could go we could on probably for, talk for, for hours. hours. Yeah. 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 Hundred. <laughs> but there's a lot more you can talk about things like track bashing and loco haulage and whatever. If you'd like to see that, that we, we will do it. But um, I think yeah. we'll just we'll just cut it a bit short now because we're getting getting on a bit for time but it's been really fun to talk about rail tours because i'm sure i can say for all three of us that we absolutely love them and um we want yeah. them to keep going for years and years and years as, as, as long as think, they can do and i think after this recording we are going to be looking at potentially looking at rail tours for next year <laughs> yeah what we, could, what we could potentially do um but for the future, for the episodes in the future, we're looking at doing this every two weeks. I know it hasn't been two weeks since the first one. It might be a little bit hit and miss with them till we all go back to normal or some form of it. But I think for now... Unless something pops up in the news that we can talk about on the day and get it day. out. So, uh, the first episode that we did, we just put it up on, uh, on YouTube. But um, for this episode, 
fingers crossed, you will also be able to listen to it on various streaming services such as Spotify. So keep an ear out for that. Or you and can keep also... an eye on our Facebook page for any updates regarding that of where it's up and how to find it. There'll be a link as below as well on that for that because. Oh, yes, in the description. Where... Yes. <laughs> but that's it for this episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. As always, leave something below what you want to see, what you thought, what's your rail tour stories. We'd love to hear them 100%. Um, so for now, stay safe, stay well, and we'll speak to you soon.